Welcome back to Parker's MMA Show. This is episode 12. In this episode, we're going to dive into everything that was UFC 244. We're going to go over some current events and look forward to UFC Moscow going down this weekend in Moscow, Russia. Here we go. La, 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 wait till I give my money right. I had a dream I could buy my way to heaven. When I woke, I spent that on a necklace. I told God I'll be back in a second. Man, it's so hard not to act reckless. To whom much is given, much is tested. Get arrested, guess until he get the message. I feel the pressure under more scrutiny. And what I do, act more stupidly. Alrighty, uh, welcome back. This is episode 12. In this episode, we're going to go over some current events. Um, dive into everything that went down last weekend, the BMF belt, UFC 244. Um, and then we're going to look forward a little bit to the the two fights at the top of the card on UFC Moscow. So here we go. Um, all right. UFC 244. A lot, a lot went down. This was a crazy event. This was um, the 500th event for the promotion, which, I mean, that's crazy. Uh, seems like time is flying by. 500 events. From UFC 1 to 500, um, a lot of great fights. You know, th- this one was highly, highly anticipated. Obviously, we had a lot of celebrities there. We had Donald Trump making an appearance. The Rock was there to put the belt on the bad motherfucker. Um, you know, just a lot of celebrities, a lot of fighters. So it was a highly, highly anticipated card and had a really good turnout. It was a sellout, Madison Square Garden. They had 20,143 people. The gate did. About six and a half million. Um, fight of the night went to Wonder Boy versus Vicente Luque. That was a great fight. Really looked like vintage Wonder Boy. He just looked, I mean, he looked incredible. So um, those guys get a $50,000 bonus. And then Kevin Lee and Corey Anderson, um, two guys that I picked against last week. I'm not going to lie, I slept on both of those guys. And um, Kevin Lee had maybe the knockout of the year. And then Corey Anderson derailed probably one of the biggest hype trains in the UFC. So great outing for both of those guys. Um, so kind of want to start at the top. We want to talk about um, the bad motherfucker belt. So Nate Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal. Um, this was a fight I was really, really looking forward to. The buildup was awesome. The way the UFC promoted it was awesome. Everything about this fight I loved. Um you know, the, the actual fight kind of went the way that I said it would. I thought Jorge Masvidal would win the first two to three rounds. Um, and then I thought Nate Diaz would turn it on late, make it a lot more competitive fight. Unfortunately, the, the fight was stopped after the third round by the doctor um, due to the cuts above Nate above and under Nate Diaz's eyes. So, um, you know, kind of breakdown of the fight, it was... It was a lot of action. Nate Diaz started a little slow. You know, both both of these guys had awesome walkouts. They had Nick Diaz walked out with Nate, which is awesome. Nick's a legend, one of my favorite fighters probably ever in the UFC. And then George walked out with Roberto Duran. Uh, Roberto Duran, legendary boxer, George Masvidal's favorite fighter, someone that he, you know, resembles his game against. So that was really cool to see those two guys doing the walkout. Um for the fight, you know, I, I had some notes on the fight. Let's see, I had um, first round, obviously. Uh, George comes out with a fake flying knee. Um, you know, if you know anything about George Masvidal, he, he went viral earlier on this year when he knocked out Ben Askren in five seconds with that flying knee. Um, so he comes out with a flying knee, fakes it, Nate kind of shakes it off. And then after that, I mean, the first round was pretty much all George. George knocked him down um, with a beautiful combo. He hit him with a heavy elbow. And then as he was kind of flying down, hit him with a a leg kick to the head. And um, I mean, if that's anyone else, they're KO'd in the first, you know, minute of the round. But Nate Diaz is so fucking tough. He was able to survive it. Um, That combo and, and that flurry early from George was obviously huge that that caused the first cut the first two cuts so the um elbow caused that big cut on top of the eye and then under the eye with that leg kick um but yeah the first round to me was 
all Jorge Masvidal. Um, you know, he did a great job. He controlled the pace of the fight. Whereas, you know, usually it's Nate Diaz who's bringing the action, walking you down, putting the pressure on you, and making you fight at his pace. Masvidal flipped that, you know, flipped the script completely and was able to control the fight beautifully. So, first round, I mean, honestly, could have been a, a 10 8 to Masvidal. The second round was, man, really more of the same. Um, Masvidal hit him with two back to back straight rights. The second one set him down and wobbled Nate. It's very, very rare to see Nate wobbled. Um, you know, he takes a lot of damage, but you've never really seen him hurt like he was in this fight. He was, I mean, he was very close to going out a couple times. But um, yeah, like I said, the second round was more the same. George started putting his combos together um, and the violence that he puts combos together with and just the power he has at 170. I mean, he he's scary. <laughs> he's a very scary dude. But, um, you know, they, they went to the ground late in round two and Nate semi got close to a heel hook, but George was able to scramble out of it. No real danger there. So, you know, I had it 2-0 after the second round to George Masvidal. Um, and, I mean, honestly, arguably that could have been probably a 10-8 round as well. The third round, um, Nate Diaz started to come on a little bit. You know, he started playing with his eye a lot. I, I think that's what maybe led to the doctor being called in after the third round. Um, it looked like he would, it was bothering him. He kept wiping the blood out of his eyes. Um, but I, I mean, I think it was, it was, you know, a lot of the same. I mean, George to me still won this round, but Nate looked a lot better. So it looked like he was, he was starting to get going a little bit, but, um, you know, unfortunately after the third round, the doctor stops the fight due to those two bad cuts. Um, you know, it was obviously hard. This is a bad motherfucker belt and it gets stopped in the third round from cuts. You know, it was, it was a little bit of a buzzkill on the night because the night was just so great. There were so many good fights from top to bottom. And I, I think everyone was just anticipating a war here. And, I mean, we're never going to know what would have happened those last two rounds. But the idea that George Masvidal would have gassed is, is absurd to me. I mean, George Masvidal, just like Nate Diaz, has been around forever. He has great conditioning. He's not known for gassing. Um, I think it would have been a much more competitive last two rounds, but there's no way George would have gassed. Um, so for me, you know, I, I think it probably would have been a little more the same, just a little more competitive. Nate Diaz would have traded more. You know, um, after the fight, Nate said he had a little bit of an injury. I think he had a knee injury a couple weeks out from the fight, so he wasn't able to run like he usually does. Um, so his game plan was to, you know, around that fourth round mark, start putting the pressure on and start putting that pace on where, you know, usually in fights he picks it up in the second, third round. So um, that obviously had a little bit of an effect on Nate Diaz. But um, I, I think the big takeaway from this is just how good George Masvidal is. He looked incredible, incredible up at 170. And obviously, after this year that he's had, you know, knocking out Darren Till, who's had a great performance at UFC 244, knocking out Ben Askren with probably one of the best knockouts of all time, and then coming coming out and just dominating Nate Diaz for three rounds. Um how that guy doesn't get fighter of the year, I, I, I don't know. No one's had a better year than George Masvidal after you know taking off all of 2018 and comes back and puts these three fights together. That's just it's unbelievable what he's been able to do. Um, yeah, so I mean, my biggest takeaway from from that is, I mean, George just looked incredible. I, I think if it would have went two more rounds, I mean, he had the he had every opportunity to finish Nate and you know, Nate is not a guy that gets finished. So that's impressive in itself. Um, yeah. So just a huge showcase for George Masvidal. It just really, to me, I was impressed with his power, you know, how, how he was able to put combos together so great. And then that power he was throwing, it was just vicious and he doesn't, you know, just throw straight power. He kind of lulls you to sleep with, some kind of slower combinations and then just out of nowhere hit you with some crazy, crazy power. Um, so huge win for George. Um, he had a, I think on Monday he came out on Ariel's show and kind of gave laid out what he wants for his next couple fights. So 
he wants the immediate rematch with Nate Diaz, which... You know, Nate Diaz is kind of being Nate Diaz right now. He said after the fight, he's definitely running it back. He definitely wants a rematch. And then today, he basically put a tweet out saying he's retiring from fighting. He's done with fighting. He's done with all this bullshit. So, you know, I I think that's just Nate Diaz being Nate Diaz. Hopefully, he'll come back to fighting because MMA is just so much better, especially the UFC when Nate Diaz is there. Um, the Diaz brothers, Nate and Nick are just great for the sport. They're very entertaining. They're obviously crowd favorites. So, um, George laid out what he wanted next and he said, Nate Diaz, which would be awesome. Um, I think that could be, you know, a headliner again, maybe sometime early 2020. Um, you know, first, you know, sometime in January, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, then after that, he had mentioned fighting Canelo which that would be it'd be interesting. Um, you know, I think George would probably be the bigger guy. Obviously, Canelo is one of the best boxers in the world, and even George said, you know, I'm not a better boxer than Canelo Alvarez. <laughs> That's just not realistic. But he's got crazy power. He's got great combinations. He's durable, you know. And so I, I think if, if they wanted to make another big crossover fight, I would like to see that for George because obviously George, if he does that, is going to get paid. You know, Conor McGregor made about $100 million fighting Floyd Mayweather. Um, I don't know if they would do that well because I don't think George is as big of a MMA star as Conor was at the time. But if they're able to put that together, you know, I think that'd be pretty cool. Cuban versus Mexico, MMA versus boxing. Um, that. That's a, a fight that they should be able to sell, no problem. I think that would be a huge pay-per-view, um, especially if George can come back and you know put another win together. So if he, he's able to come back and knock out Nate Diaz, I think he's on the top of the world. Or you know if he gets that fight with Connor, hurts Connor. I mean him versus Canelo, that would be huge money. So that's his second fight, and then his third fight would be MMA. Obviously, um, he wants the winner of Colby versus Usman. That fight's going down in December. That headlines the December 14th card. So that's a huge fight. Him and Colby are obviously teammates. They used to be roommates. There's a lot of drama there. Um, They've kind of had a falling out over the last year. So that would be a fun buildup to the fight. You know, um, I I don't know how he would do against those kind of guys. Those guys are, you know, phenomenal wrestlers. They put a crazy pace on you. But, like I said, George has been on a roll. He seems like a completely new fighter. And that knockout power and just, I don't know, he just seems like he's not going to be able to be beat right now. He just seems like he's on another level. And then he just looks like he's trying to hurt people. So, um, I don't know. That'll be interesting, you know, to see whoever whoever wins versus Colby and Kamaru Usman. Um, if George is able to get the bad motherfucker belt and then the 170-pound belt. I think that's pretty awesome for him. So, um, yeah, good for George Masvidal. I mean, basically came out of nowhere. He, he lost to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson back in 2017, took all of 2018 off, and then has just had a remarkable year. So great, great for Masvidal. He's, he's earned it. Like we talked about, you know, last week, this is a guy that's been fighting professionally since he was 16, 17 years old, and he's had a hard road, but he's – you know, at 34, 35 years old, he's hitting his stride and he's becoming a huge, huge star. So good for George Masvidal. Um, for Nate Diaz, you know, there's there's a lot of fun fights out there for Nate Diaz. Um, I think the bottom line is just, does he want to fight? You know, can they work out the money? I think that's a big deal to him now. Like he said, you know, all leading up to this fight is, hey, you know, I've fought everyone in the promotion, you know, one... 155, 170. He doesn't want to fight just Joe Blows. He wants to fight big contenders, big fights, you know, interesting fights, fights that get him out of bed, fights that are going to make him a shitload of money. And I mean, win or lose, I, I don't think Nate's stock dropped at all in this fight. He's still a huge megastar. Um, I mean, he's just great for MMA. So, I hope the UFC and Nate can work it out and get him back in there. Um, next for him, Either the George Masvidal fight, you know, I think that's a great rematch to have, or you've got the Connor fight there. Um, if Connor can get a win against Cowboy in January, and then you set up a trilogy between Connor and Nate 
you know, sometime in the spring, that's a huge fight. I mean, that's bigger than probably any title fight the UFC has lined up right now. That's just a huge money fight. I think their other fights were like one and two and biggest pay-per-views of all time. So, yeah, that those are the fights I would like to see for Nate. Um, some people threw around like Robbie Lawler. That would be a fun fight, you know, but that's nowhere near the size of of um, Connor. I mean, the Connor and the George Masvidal fights are huge. Um, you know, I... I <laughs> I thought Nate is probably, he's probably a little small for 170. You know, I don't really think his power carries over as much to 170. Um, Keep in mind, Showtime Pettis and George Masvidal, those are former 155ers. Pettis was 145er at one time. So those are, you know, all three of those guys are smaller guys that moved up to 170. You know, some of those other guys are monsters at 170. So I don't know. Maybe Nate will move back down to 155. If he does, there's a lot of fun fights there. You've got Justin Gaethje. You've got Connor. You've got Dustin Poirier. Tony. You know, there's a lot of big fights there for Nate. So I think he'll be fine. I think the biggest question is, does he want to fight? You know, is he going to hold out for, you know, one or two, three more years? Hopefully not, because like I said, Nate Diaz is awesome for the sport. I'd really like to see his brother come back too. And if those two could be in there together at the same time, you know, for the next three, four years, the end of their career, because I think Nick's probably 37, Nate's 34, 35. So that they've got, you know, a couple more years left. But um, yeah, I'd like to see those guys in there. They're They're great for the sport. They're you know, action fighters, fan favorites. So that would be awesome. But yeah, the, the main event of the BMF card, obviously a little bit of a letdown. But I mean, overall, good fight. Huge showcase for George Masvidal. Um, next, we had um, Kelvin Gastelum taking on Darren Till. Um, last week, I picked Darren Till. As the week went on, I was getting... A little more skittish on that pick. Obviously, he was he was late to the fight because of visa visa issues. Um, you know, he almost didn't fight apparently because he couldn't get his medicals done because um, Donald Trump and social or all the special services and stuff were kind of blocking it up. So there's just a lot of drama leading up to it. Obviously, this is a huge fight. We talked about this last week, but um, Darren Till and Kevin Lee both had huge, huge pressure to come out and make a statement and get a win. They're both super, super talented young guys that you know have been on a little bit of a skid. They've been struggling a little bit. But to me, um, Darren Till looked spectacular. And I brought this up last week, but I, I think this might have had something to do with it. Kelvin Gastelum just came off that just war with Israel Adesanya and I think anytime you go through a fight like that um, you're going to take damage you're never going to come back the same I I don't care who you are how tough you are those fights take something from you that you're never going to get back I mean similar to Rory McDonald fighting Robbie Lawler in those battles he's never been the same since those fights and never will so that's something you got to look at with Kelvin Gastelum obviously Kelvin Gastelum um, was still a huge, huge task for Darren Till. But honestly, Darren Till came out and looked just spectacular. I think once he started to put it together, his confidence came back. He was a guy that, you know, he had those two bad losses where he lost to Woodley in that championship fight in Dallas. I was actually there um, where he really, I don't think he landed a strike and he got rocked and taken down and beaten up and then submitted. And then he lost to, uh, George Masvidal via that just brutal, brutal knockout that got George Masvidal on a roll. So for till, um, this was kind of a crossroads fight. You know, he's still, he's still a young guy, but this is a fight he needed to win to get back on track and, and get a win and get some momentum going again. Um, so for me, yeah, this is a great fight. Darren Till won by split decision, which one of the judges, it was, they called it 30, 27 till 29, 28 till. And then one of the judges had it 30 to 27 to Gastelum. I I thought that was just fucking ridiculous. Um, whoever that judges does not need to judge fights. They had their head completely up their ass. They had to be staring at the president or something that 
that is just absurd. Um, so yeah, Darren to, to me just looked really good. He was able to just kind of outpoint um, Gastelum. He was able to use that range and you know keep circling away from the power. He was leading the fight the whole time. And his defense looked a lot better than it had in the past. He was kind of known for holding his chin up high, and that led to you know him getting clipped by Woodley, him getting knocked out by Mosvidov. Um, but he looks like he's fixed a lot of that. So, you know, Kelvin Gastelum's a guy that's knocked out a lot of people, and Till never really seemed in danger. He was able to avoid all those big shots. Um, so huge, huge win for Darren Till. Obviously, this is a guy in his mid-20s, has a lot of potential, could be a huge, huge star for the UFC. Um, I think eventually him and Israel Adesanya is going to be a super mega fight. I, I think he's probably one more fight from a title fight at middleweight just because he's just so new to middleweight. Um, I think he needs to get a little more, little more momentum before he you know, goes to fight Israel. Um, I think that's a huge test. That's a striking dream fight for, for fans. I mean, that, that is just two guys with incredible striking ability. I think that'll be a really, really cool matchup here, you know, probably a year from now if both of them can stay on a winning track. Um, so, yeah, for, for Till, you know, he was very, very emotional after the fight. He said the whole the whole night leading up to the fight, he was in, in the locker room there watching the broadcast and they just keep kept showing him getting knocked out by Masvidal and then they started showing Kelvin Gastelum just knocking out you know legends of the sport Bisbang, uh, Jacare, people like that and he said he was just honestly terrified he was looking for a way out the whole time and um, I, I think that's why people love Darren Till he's just so honest he's straightforward he's no bullshit he tells you you know what he's feeling and he's honest with you and and people respect that so um for darren till you know like i said i think he's probably one fight away from a title fight um rob whitaker was calling him out today that is a fight i love i love that fight obviously rob whitaker's coming off of that um championship fight where he got knocked out by izzy um that's a great fight. I, I think that could headline a pay-per-view. Darren Till versus Rob Whitaker. That's a huge fight. You know, England versus Australia. I mean, that's freaking awesome. So, you know, I'd like to see that fight. Either that or uh, Jared Cannonier. obviously, has been looking good. So, I, I think for Till, he's going to get one of those guys. Um, I think Yoel Romero will probably get the next title fight against Adesanya because Adesanya has been calling him out. So yeah, I think that's probably what you're looking at, looking at for Darren Till, you know, beginning of the year, Robert Whitaker or Jared Cannonier. Both of them are huge tests. Obviously Jared Cannonier has just looked like an animal since moving to middleweight. Rob Whitaker is one of my favorite fighters, just an absolute savage. Um, so yeah, Big things in 2020 for Darren Till. He's going to have a lot of big fights. If he can put a couple wins together, you know, I, I think he'll get a crack at that at that title shot against Izzy. Um, for Kelvin, you know, I think he needs to take a little time off and regroup. You know, that that was that Israel Adesanya fight was brutal. Um, you know, Kelvin's still a young guy too. I think he's only 27 years old. So yeah, take a little time off and then jump back in there. Um, for him, you know, I think someone like Jack Hermanson, obviously Jack Hermanson, he was on a four white, four fight win streak until he got beat, knocked out by Jared Cannonier. So, um, something like that would be good, you know? So, yeah, I mean, Kelvin Gastelum, keep his head up. He's, he's had a lot of good wins. He's still a young guy and he'll be back. He'll definitely be back. Um, okay. This next fight, um, this was fight of the night. So, Vicente Luque versus Wonderboy. Um, Wonderboy, Wonder Boy, like we talked about last week, was on a two-fight uh, losing streak. Where he had lost to... Who did he lose to? Oh, he lost a unanimous decision, I believe. Or maybe a split decision back in London to Darren Till. Before Darren Till got the crack at Woodley. And then after that, he got viciously knocked out by Showtime Pettis. So... 
little unfamiliar territory for Wonder Boy. You know, he's a guy that's, I mean, he's he's been at the top of that division for a long, long time. So it was good to see Wonder Boy, you know, really back to his normal self. Um, I mean, it was a vintage Wonder Boy performance. He looked absolutely incredible for a 37-year-old fighter taking on Vicente Luque, who's one of the toughest guys in the division. Um, it was just an overall great performance by Wonder Boy. I, he said he broke his hand, I believe, in the second. But it didn't seem to slow him down. Um, it's just another guy that I think a lot of people kind of wrote off. I think everyone was kind of anticipating this to be you know, kind of a stepping stone fight for Vicente Luque to excel himself into the top five at welterweight. But it wasn't. I mean, Wonder Boy absolutely shut him down and really just dominated him. Um, Wonder Boy was way more aggressive than he usually fights. It just looked like he wanted to get the finish and he wanted to kind of make a statement and prove everyone wrong. And he does. He did. He was in there just getting after it. Um, his combos and how weird and tricky he is. I mean, it's just it's such a hard fight for anyone at welterweight because he's just so unpredictable. He can, you know, hit you with a head kick out of nowhere. Um, his blitz that he does is just so dangerous. I mean, he comes in, he just blitzes, and he can just he can hurt you in so many ways. Striking, he's one of the best strikers ever in the UFC. So, yeah, this was a huge win for Wonder Boy. Like I said, got fight of the night. Um, Vicente Luque. You know, I, I don't think he loses a lot here. This just shows how tough he is. Obviously, he had that war with Mike Perry, where he shattered Mike Perry's nose with that knee. Um, but I don't, I don't think this does anything. You know, this doesn't lower his stock. This, if anything, this, this, you know, just continues to elevate him. Super tough fight. This guy's. I mean, he's just an action fighter. He's super, super fun to to watch. He just wasn't on the same level as Wonder Boy. Wonder Boy's striking is unbelievable. Um, you know, what's next for these guys? You know, Wonder Boy's got a broken hand, so he's going to have to heal up a little bit. But, you know, I, I think he'll get someone probably in the top five back at 170. And, and honestly, Wonder Boy's probably one or two fights away from getting another crack at the title, which is crazy. But, yeah, um, someone like... You know, Leon Edwards, that'd be a fun fight. He doesn't have a fight right now, and I, I don't think he's anyone, you know, none of those guys at the top really seem like they want to fight him. So Leon Edwards versus Wonder Boy or Santiago Ponzinibbio, that's a really fun fight. You know, I think they're probably all neck and neck in the rankings there at welterweight. Um, Ponzinibbio's been out for a little bit, little bit, and then Leon Edwards is coming off that, you know, dominating fight he had against RDA. So, yeah, any of those guys for Wonder Boy would be a fun matchup. You know, for Luke, I think he'll probably draw someone right in the top 10 to 15 there at Welterweight. Um, let me run through it real quick. You got um, Tony Rocco Martin. That would be a fun fight. Um, Michael Chiesa. That would be a fun fight. Let's see. Anthony Pettis, if he wants to stay up at Welterweight. Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler doesn't have a fight right now, but he's still ranked number nine. So, yeah. Any of those fights for Luke. Robbie Lawler and Luke would be an awesome fight. Those guys would go to war. So, that'd be a very interesting one. But, um, you know, great fight from those two and really, really great performance from Wonder Boy. It was really good to see him back, you know, to kind of what got him to the dance. He just looked like a next-level striker, and he looked... Just super confident, and he was trying to finish the fight the whole time. So, yeah, great for Wonder Boy. Um, the next fight, so Derek Lewis versus Blagoy Ivanov. Um, I had predicted Derek Lewis to win um, by knockout. He got the win via decision. Um, but great fight. I mean, really, really back-and-forth fight. Uh, Blagoy Ivanov, how fucking tough is that guy? Man, he took some just vicious, vicious shots from Derek Lewis and was able to withstand them all. Um, you know, overall, I thought Derek Lewis looked as fit as he's ever looked. You know, I think he lost like 20 pounds for this fight. 
and he really seemed to be in good shape. He was, you know, not rushing the knockout. He was pacing himself a lot better. He, you know, he usually gasses by the third round or so, and then he just kind of reverts to just winging big, big right hands. But um, he fought smart. You know, he was able to withstand some of the submission attempts from Blagoy Ivanov. Um, Blagoy was a gold medal Sambo fighter. Um, you know, I think he's from Bulgaria or Russia or something like that. So he was an ex Sambo champion, you know, um, just a tough guy, tough guy, all around good fighter. He's got, you know, good submissions and he was close on a couple of them, but Derek was able to, to, to just squeeze out of them. Um, so yeah, I kind of break down on that fight. Um, you know, round one, I thought Derek looked really good. Like I said, he was just super patient. He wasn't rushing anything. Um, he did get taken down when Blagoy caught one of his kicks and almost got caught in an Americana, but he was able to slide out and get back to his feet. So, yeah, after he got up, he was throwing some fucking bombs. I don't know how how he didn't put Blagoy away. Um, I mean, he caught him with some of those, and I, I thought he was going to sleep, but he was able to just really walk right through him and withstand him. So first round, I had Derek Lewis. Um, one, it was close, but Derek, I think, just did more damage. Um, second round, I mean, Derek did more of the same. He stayed very, very patient. He picked his spots. And when he put together combos, they were powerful, you know, strong, strong shots. Um, he got taken down again. And this is the one. It was a key lock, I believe. But he was very, very close. I thought he was going to break his arm. Um, so that that was, you know, close submission. But Derek was able to slide out of it, get back up. And then he went back to throwing bombs. And like I said, that one was close too. But I gave it to Derek Lewis, 10-9. Um, third round, Derek Lewis comes out. The corner had forgot to wipe the Vaseline off of his face. So he just has these two big globs of Vaseline. It was pretty funny. Rogan and, uh, Dom Cruz were kind of making fun of him, but, um, yeah, he just, you know, did more damage in this round as well. He, he had one uppercut he threw in the third round that would have killed Blagoy for sure. If he hit him. Um, so yeah, yeah, good fight for Derek Lewis. You know, tough, tough cookie in Blagoy Ivanov. I mean, how fucking tough is that guy? So, um, yeah, what's next for these guys? Let's see. Derek Lewis is sitting at number six. Blagoy was sitting at eight. Um, for Derek Lewis, I, I think he needs to get the winner of this uh, Volkov versus Greg Hardy this weekend. Obviously, We'll talk about this later, but I think Volkov should get it done. Um, if by chance Greg Hardy catches him and knocks him out, Greg Hardy versus Derek Lewis is a huge fight, and that could definitely headline, you know, a uh, fight night or something like that. But they've got a lot of heat. Derek Lewis has kind of been talking shit, you know, calling him a woman beater and saying he doesn't have the skills to be in the UFC and all of that. So the buildup to that would be good, and that's two guys that are going to stand and just bang with each other. So that's a fight I would really be looking forward to, you know, early 2020. If by some chance Greg Hardy can get this done, you know, like I said, I don't think he will. So for Derek Lewis, um, I think he'll get the winner of either the Greg Hardy versus Volkov fight or the Overeem versus uh, Rosenstruck. Rosenstruck's the guy that knocked out Andre Orlowski this week in like 35 seconds. So, yeah, either of those fights... I mean, I'm definitely down with for, for Derek Lewis. Um, for Blagoy, he was sitting at eight. You know, I think he'll fight someone probably the top, you know, 10 to 15 range. Um, everyone else is pretty much tied up. Obviously, DC, Stipe, they'll fight. Francis Ngannou's hanging out out there, but, you know, I think he's kind of waiting for that fight to sort out. Um you know, maybe Curtis Blades, who's three. I, I don't really know who he matches up with. Um, yeah, so I think he'll get someone in maybe, you know, 10 to 5 range next. It wasn't, you know, a huge drop in the stock of Blagoy Ivanov. It just showed how tough he is. Um, 
you know, Derek Lewis was just able to do a little more damage and slide out of there with the decision. So, yeah, heavyweights, you know, I, I think it'll start moving along after the Overeem um, versus Rosenstruck fight and the Volkov versus Greg Hardy fight. So those are both in the next couple weeks. So I think heavyweight will start to kind of get a little movement going. Um, but, yeah, good good uh, return for Black Beast. He was coming off that knee surgery. And it was good to see him back in there. He's great on the mic, very entertaining, um, crazy, crazy power. You know, if they were, I don't think Ngannou would take it, but if they were able to match Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou up, that would be an awesome fight. I'd definitely, definitely be down to watch that. Um, so, yeah, good things there at heavyweight. Um, next, Kevin Lee versus Gregor Gillespie. Um, this is one I definitely slept on Kevin Lee. I will admit it. Kevin Lee came out, and, man, he looked amazing. I think there was a lot of doubt all week about Kevin Lee and, you know, if he was done. And, you know, I think everyone just slept on Kevin Lee. Bottom line, Kevin Lee is a guy that's still, I think he's 26 years old, super, super talented, has a really high ceiling. Um, he had he had that fight up at 170 with RDA where he, you know, just kind of got beat up a little bit. And then before that, he had lost a couple back-to-back at 155. But uh, to me, Kevin Lee's back back right in the mix at 155 with this win. So he comes in with – it looked like he had staph infection again. He had that same spot as where he had it against Tony Ferguson. Um, I didn't really see anything in the news this week about it. But it really just looked like blatant staph infection again. So I don't know what's going on, if that never healed or what the deal is. But it definitely looked like he had staph infection right in the same spot as as where he had it when he fought Tony Ferguson. Um, but for Kevin Lee, obviously, we talked about it last week, but ever since his coach, Robert Follis, had passed away, he had just seemed to be kind of, you know, drifting around, kind of camp to camp. And I really think he found a home at TriStar with Faraz Sahabi and GSP. Um you know, I, I think Rogan had actually suggested that maybe a year or so ago when Kevin Lee was on the Rogan show. Um, I mean, I think that's a perfect spot for him. I, I think he's got all the potential to be an incredible fighter, and he actually fights similar to how GSP fought. So I think that's a, a great, just a great uh, match there over at TriStar for Kevin Lee. And it'll be very interesting to see you know, how his career progresses. Obviously, obviously, like I said, he's a super young guy. He's got a lot of good years ahead of him, and I think this is a perfect time for him to make that change and get a great camp around him. But um, as for the fight, I mean, Gregor Gillespie was 13-0, and you know, huge, huge hype train. And Kevin Lee was really had his back against the wall. This was, you know, similar to Darren Till versus Gastelum. This was kind of a crossroads fight for Kevin Lee. And this was a must-win fight. Um, so very impressive. Kevin Lee came out with a great game plan. You know, his striking looked good. He came out with a very wide stance. You know, he didn't do any, any um, stance switching, which he usually does. So he just had a really wide stance kind of, you know, to prevent against the takedown. And then his striking just looked super clean. Um, you know, they traded a little bit in the first couple minutes. And then Kevin Lee hits him with a huge straight right and follows it up with a just vicious left high kick and knocks Gregor Gillespie out cold. I mean, he was out as soon as that kick hit him. Kevin Lee came down with one more shot and the fight was over. Um, that's going to be up for knockout of the year. I, I don't know if that beats George Masvidal's flying knee, but that was pretty incredible. Um, so good for Kevin Lee. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy that, just like Darren Till, I mean, he he had a lot of hype behind him, a lot of potential, and then he had a couple hard losses, and he was kind of lost. But he, he got back. He made a giant statement, and I really think that win throws him right back in the mix at um, lightweight. So, yeah, hopefully he stays at lightweight. You know, I, I don't think anything was really reported about the weight cut. I think everything went smooth. So, yeah, if he's able to, you know, keep that up at lightweight, I think he can definitely go on a run. There's a lot of fights there for him. Um, he called out Islam Makachev, who, I mean, that's a super tough fight. 
And that's really someone that no one wants to fight right now. So that's a pretty bold call out. You know, Kevin Lee's back at seven. Islam Makachev's at 10. So, you know, I think that makes sense for him. Um, Kevin Lee versus Paul Felder would be a really fun fight. Paul Felder's coming off that war with Edson Barbosa. And then a decision against um, James Vick. So, you know, Paul Felder's been looking really good at lightweight. He's number eight right now. Um, Kevin Lee versus Dan Hooker. That's a big fight. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with Kevin Lee. You know, you got Justin Gaethje, who's still hanging around without a fight. But I think Justin Gaethje's kind of either looking for that Connor fight or to fight the winner of Khabib versus Tony. So there's some good fights out there for Kevin Lee. It'll be interesting to see what he does in 2020. Um, okay, so next, Corey Anderson versus Johnny Walker. This was another guy I think a lot of people slept on. Um, Corey Anderson, obviously not the most entertaining fighter, but like I said last week, just super, super gritty, you know, tough wrestler, and he had a huge chip on his shoulder. He came in here, I think everyone had wrote him off. No one thought he was <laughs> going to come in here and knock out Johnny Walker, and he knocks out Johnny Walker in the first round. Um, you know, obviously gets super emotional afterwards, gets in Johnny Walker's face um, at the press conference, says if he doesn't get the next title fight, he wants to get cut from the UFC and go somewhere else. But, man, what what a performance by Corey Anderson. He just looked, I mean, very, very impressive. Johnny Walker's a guy that's, he's just, he's been kind of a freak show in the division. He's been knocking everyone out. And Corey, Corey Anderson just came in there and just, put him away and just did work on Johnny Anderson or Johnny Walker. Sorry. Um, so yeah, for Corey Anderson, that's five straight wins at light heavyweight. Um, he's sitting at number two right now behind Dominic Reyes. Um, you know, there was a lot of back and forth. He had Dana, Dana white saying that he, he was, or his crybaby bullshit wasn't going to get him a championship fight and all this, but um, yeah, I mean, he's right there. I, I think the next the next fight for John Jones either needs to be Dominic Reyes or Corey Anderson. Um, John Jones came out, I think it was yesterday, and said that he thinks Dominic Reyes is the harder fight. So, you know, that, that may be the next fight for John Jones. Um, where does that leave Corey Anderson? If Corey Anderson doesn't get the John Jones fight, you know, you've got Anthony Smith out there. Anthony Smith is coming off that win against uh, Gustafson. And I think he's been hurt. He maybe broke both of his hands. So he's been out for a while. So you've got that fight. That's a great fight. You've got Corey Anderson, who's sitting at number two right now, and Anthony Smith, who's sitting at number four. Um, Anthony Smith was on a roll until he lost to John Jones. And then he responded with a big win against Gustafson. And that's when Gustafson retired. So that's a fun fight for Corey Anderson. Um You've got Jan Blahovic, who's out there. You know, he he viciously, viciously knocked out Luke Rockholt. So, yeah, I, I think those are probably the next two fights, um, you know, next two options for Corey Anderson. Um, Anthony Smith, I think, makes the most sense. If John Jones is going to fight Dom Reyes, Anthony Smith versus Corey Anderson, so that's a great fight at light heavyweight. Um so, yeah, and you had Anthony Smith that was calling out Corey Anderson this week. So, yeah, that'd be really, really interesting to see that fight. Um, but good win for Corey Anderson. I mean, that completely, completely halted the hype train of Johnny Walker. Um, Johnny Walker, he'll be back, though. He's, you know, super, super weird, unorthodox fighter. Um, he came in at number seven. So I would see him... You know, maybe getting the winner of Vulcan versus Vulcan Ozdemir versus Alexander Rakic. Um, if not, yeah, I mean that would make sense. Something like that for um, Johnny Walker. Uh, I think those are fun fights. Obviously, sucks to get knocked out viciously like that. But Corey Anderson's a top top elite fighter, and he's been doing it you know, at light heavyweight for a while now. So no, no big loss for Johnny Walker. He'll be back. Um, he's still a fun fighter that a lot of people are going to tune into. Um, so yeah, great win there for Corey Anderson. Um, 
Edmund Shabazian versus Brad Tavares. Um, this is one I called this last week. I said this would be a first or second round knockout by Edmund Shabazian. Uh, this was a big test for him. Obviously, he's super, super talented guy. He's 21 years old. He's the third youngest fighter on the UFC roster. He's 11-0, 10 first-round finishes. Um, he came in, I believe, at number 13 at middleweight. But, yeah, he gets a vicious knockout of Brad Tavares. Brad Tavares is a guy that's, I mean, he's as durable as they come. I think Israel Adesanya had a three, three-round uh, decision against Brad Tavares. And that was back in 2018. That was kind of the start of Israel Adesanya's run. Um, so this is a guy everyone needs to watch out for. This Edmund Shabazian, I'm telling you, he's going to be super, super talented. Um, he wants to be, you know, him and Macy Barber, both of them want to be the youngest champion, which I believe was 23 years old, set by John Jones, you know, eight or 10 years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he looks really, really good. He's, his fight IQ is just off the charts. Um, he hurt Brad Tavares really bad in the first round, did not finish or did not rush the finish, which a lot of guys, you know, his age would. If you get a veteran hurt like that, you're going to rush it, try to put it away. He was super, super methodical about it and just really worked some great combos. And then he finished the fight with a jab followed by a left high kick that just, I mean, <laughs> put Brad Tavares out. So, um, yeah, with this fight, I think he's going to break into the top 10 at, mel at middleweight. He's probably, you know, two or three fights away from being talked about as a title contender, which is pretty incredible. Um, yeah, next up, I'd like to see him fight, you know, like Derek Brunson or Uriah Hall, someone that's been around forever. They're a veteran at, at middleweight. I think that's a big test for him. So, yeah, keep an eye on that kid. That kid is going to be a freak. Okay, next up, um, I want to briefly talk about this fight. This was on the prelims, I believe. This is Jarzinho Rosenstruck versus uh, veteran ex-champion Andre Arlovski at heavyweight. Um, this Rosenstruck guy, I mean, he looked freaky, freaky, freaky. He knocks out Arlovski 40 seconds in into the fight with a fadeaway left hook. Um yeah, this guy is scary. He's 9-0 now. He just took a short-notice fight against Alistair Overeem. I believe that fight's two weeks away. So he's making the quick turnaround. Um, huge jump up in competition. Obviously, Overeem's been around forever. Freak athlete. Still you know, getting it done. I think he's got to be near 40. Um, but that's going to be a super quick turnaround for Rosenstruck, which I think he came in at number 13, maybe. And then he's getting a super quick turnaround against number four, Alistair Overeem. So, yeah, if he can keep it rolling and get a finish against Overeem, uh, that's going to skyrocket him into the top five or so. Um, but this guy, I mean, he just has freaky power. He's He's got almost like Francis Ngannou power where he can just touch you and put you down. I mean, that, that short hook fading away didn't look like anything but... I mean, it shut the lights out on um, Andre Orlowski, who's, man, he's, Andre Orlowski's done it all. He's a former champion, um, tough guy to finish, and yeah, Rosenstruck put him away and made it look easy. So keep a lookout for that guy. He's fighting um, over in here in a couple weeks. Um, so yeah, all in all, I mean, great, great night of fighting. UFC 244 obviously did not disappoint. Biggest winners, um, Corey Anderson, obviously. You know, I don't think that's going to get him the next title fight, but that was a great performance and really proved a lot of people wrong. Kevin Lee, officially back, you know, at 155. He's right back in the mix with that vicious knockout. Uh, Darren Till, same thing. Um, he was a guy that needed a win. He got that win, and he set himself up for a ton of big fights this coming year. And then George Mosvidov. George Mosvidov, what what can I say? Keeps getting it done and, you know, was able to get a doctor stoppage against Nate Diaz. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a lot of big money fights here for George Mosvidov. So, yeah, those guys, I mean, awesome nights, awesome night of fights. Um, the whole bad motherfucker belt. I know I think that was a one-time deal, but uh, it was pretty awesome. 
you know, I, I think that's the first time, you know, in a while that a non-title fight is, has headlined a pay-per-view. And I'll be really interested to see the numbers on that. I bet that did really good numbers. So, yeah, UFC 244, bad motherfucker belt. Great night of fights, great night of fights, and, you know, a lot of drama, but good stuff all around. Um, this week, the UFC travels to Moscow. Um, not a great card, a lot of Russian fighters that, you know, a lot of people probably don't know their names, stuff like that on this card, so we're not going to dive, you know, too deep into this card. Um, there are two fights I want to talk about at the top. We've got Zabit taking on Calvin Cater. Um, that's going to be a really good fight. So we'll talk a little bit about that. That was originally scheduled to happen on the Dominic Reyes and Chris Weidman card back in Boston. And then I think Zabit had a minor injury that kept him off that card. Um, so yeah, these guys are going to run it back. It went from a home field advantage game for uh, Calvin Cater. To now he's fighting across the world in Zabit's backyard, Moscow, Russia. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes down. And then the co-main event was originally supposed to be Alexander Volkov versus JDS. But JDS had staph infection, I believe. So he was pulled from the card and then Greg Hardy steps in on like 15 days notice. So big opportunity for Greg Hardy. Um, Volkov is, I think he's 10 fighter. He is number seven at heavyweight right now. So, um, yeah, he'd been on a roll. He knocked out Stefan Strude, knocked out Fabricio Verdum, and then he was dominating Derek Lewis, um, until he got knocked out very, very late in that fight. That was, I think a minute left in the fight. He got knocked out by Darren or Derek Lewis. So, I mean, he is, uh, elite heavyweight you know he's had a lot of a lot of good fights a lot of good wins um greg hardy has you know he's this is going to be his first big test so we'll see how that goes but um all right so yeah with zabit and calvin cater um i mean this is a close close fight i think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on calvin cater um you know i Calvin Cater's just got serious knockout power. He put Ricardo Lamas out early in the first round. Um, so this is a really interesting matchup. You know, he hit, they're, they're bigger guys for featherweight. I think Calvin Cater's 5'11". He's got a 72-inch reach. Um, Zabit's 6'1", with a 73-inch reach. So some of the bigger guys probably at featherweight – um, Zabit's coming off the decision win against Jeremy Stevens. And like I said, Calvin Cater's coming off that vicious knockout win from Ricardo Lamas. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is going to be a good fight. You know, I think Zabit is probably more talented as a striker. But Calvin Cater's just got that vicious knockout style. You know, he's got super, super power. In his hands, so I, I don't know. I think this is going to be a close fight. It's the main event, but they've got it scheduled for a three-round fight, which is kind of weird. But um, if I had to take a pick, you know, I, I think I think Zabit will get it done. Um, you know, I think he's just overall. I think he's a better fighter. Calvin Cater's got that knockout power, but I think Zabit's a smart fighter. He's going to be able to. You know, just stay away from the power of Calvin Cater. Um, Zabit's also really good on the ground. So if that goes to the ground, that'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, but I've got Zabit. I think he's going to win a three-round decision. Um, you know, I don't see him getting knocked out. I don't see him putting Calvin Cater away. But I think he's just going to be a little better everywhere and be able to outpoint Calvin Cater. So that's my pick on that one. We're going to go Zabit with um, decision win. Volkan or Volkov versus Greg Hardy. Um, like I said, this is a big, big step up in competition for Greg Hardy. Um, you know, I, I would say I think Volkov should win this fight. He's you know a much more experienced fighter, a lot, lot more well-rounded. He's been in there with some top heavyweights. Um, he's got wins against Verdum, 
Stefan Shrewd, um, Tim Johnson, Big Country Roy Nelson. So he's got some good wins. He's got a win against Blagoy Ivanov back in Bellator. Yeah, so I mean, he's got some really good wins at heavyweight. Um, you know, Greg Hardy still, to me, I think he's still developing. You know, he's he's young for heavyweight. I think he's 31 years old. He's got some time to catch up on these guys. But, you know, I, I think Volkov should get the job done here. I don't think he's going to knock out Greg Hardy, but I think he should be able to dominate him, you know, just because just he's a better fighter all around. Um but, I mean, it's heavyweight. Greg Hardy's super athletic. He does have knockout power. He seemed to gas a little bit in his last fight, you know, after the second round. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, if, by chance, Greg Hardy catches Volkov and gets a knockout, um, I think the only fight to book next is Derek Lewis versus Greg Hardy. Like I said, that'll, that'll skyrocket. Greg Hardy, where he's you know not going to be allowed to fight these cans anymore. He's going to have to start fighting the the best of the best at heavyweight. Um, but I think it's a little early for him. I'm going to go Volkov uh, by decision. I think he's just going to outclass Greg Hardy. So that's my official pick there. Um, couple current events. Um, we talked a little bit about. Uh, Trump making an appearance. That was a big deal. I think it cost $60,000 to set that up. Um, the RNC paid for that to get him there. They paid for the tickets, the catering, uh, Trump and his guests. So Trump was there with his two sons, Eric and Donald Jr. Um, so good to see Trump at UFC events. You know, I don't, whatever you think of Trump, to have the president at a UFC event, that's a huge, huge deal for the sport. So, yeah, that was cool. Um, we talked about Canelo and Masvidal. Um, that'll be really interesting. I think if Masvidal can get a big win, you know, like a knockout win against Nate Diaz in the rematch, or if he's able to get the Connor fight and get a huge win there, you know, I, I think that's kind of a no-brainer. Um, or, you know, a fight that you could sell big time. You know, Canelo is a probably pound-for-pound one of the best boxers in the world. But Masvidal, if he could put another big win to, together, will be a huge star. And I think I don't think that'll be as big as Mayweather versus McGregor. But I think that would be, you know, pretty big. Um, what else? What else? What else? Yeah, so I think that's pretty much it. Um, we covered a lot of the other current events. So, yeah, all in all, um, great Great weekend of fights. Um, I think that was, you know, top to bottom, probably one of the best cards of the year. Uh, be interested to see what the numbers did on the bad motherfucker belt. And then, um, yeah, this weekend we got two good fights at the top. I'll definitely be tuning in. I think that's a 2 p.m. Eastern start for that main card in Russia. So I'll definitely tune in to the last two fights. But we'll be back next week to break down those two fights. And look forward to the next couple weeks of fights. Um, not huge cards. You've got, let me see, um, UFC Fight Night 164. you got Jan Blahovich taking on Jacare Souza. That's an interesting fight at light heavyweight. Um, the week after that, we've got, like I had mentioned, Alistair Overeem taking on uh, Rosenstruck. That'll be interesting at heavyweight. Um, and then the next card after that, that's the UFC 245. Uh, we'll do a lot of coverage on that. That's a huge, huge fight card. Um, I mean, that is just stacked. You've got Kamaru Usman taking on Colby Covington at the top. Max Holloway defending his featherweight title against Volkanovski. That's an awesome fight. You've got uh, Amanda Nunes returning to defend her title against GDR. You've got Jose Aldo moving down to Bantamweight to take on Marlon Marias. Um, Uriah Faber taking on big-time up-and-comer Peter Yawn at Bantamweight. That's the main card. And then on the prelims, the prelims are even stacked. Let me see. We've got Jeff Neal, Dallas's own Jeff Neal, taking on Mike Perry. Mike Perry making his return. That's a great fight. Um... Let me see. Matt Brown 
fighting against um, Ben Saunders, Matt Brown making a return. He's been off a long time, but Matt Brown's a legend. Um, yeah, so, I mean, and really, really good fights on there. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. That's December 14th. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week to break down the Russia card and then look forward to the fight night next week and yeah anything else that comes up so thanks for tuning in once again this is parker keen's mma show this is episode 12 in the books thank you la, la, yeah. la, la, wait till i give my money right oh. i had a dream i could buy my way to heaven when i woke i spent that on a necklace I told God I'll be back in a second Man, it's so hard not to act reckless To whom much is given, much is tested Get arrested, guess until he get the message I feel the pressure under more scrutiny And what I do, act more stupidly Bought more jewelry, more Louis V My mama couldn't get through to me